We're going to get started this evening. It's a joy uh, to see you here, ready to worship the Lord uh, together as God's people tonight in prayer meeting uh, through prayer. If you have your Bible tonight, I hope you do, please turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. We're continuing our study of Paul's prayers here on Wednesday night as we're seeking to grow in our capacity as followers of Christ in praying in accordance to God's will. And since Paul, in his writings of the New Testament letters, records a lot of prayers under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they, these prayers are perfect examples for us of what praying according to God's will looks like, and they are also perfect guides for us in teaching us how to pray according to God's will as well. And so as we listen in on Paul's prayers as a church here on Wednesday nights, we're learning what to adore what to appreciate, what to ask for, what to admonish, and what to amen in our own prayer lives. And we've already seen that we ought to adore God in our prayers, that we ought to simply worship God for who He is in and of Himself. Prayer is, first and foremost, an act of worship. It's not always just knocking at His door saying, please help me. It is coming to Him and bowing down before Him and worshiping Him and ascribing to Him the greatness that is due His name. And now as a church, after considering what we ought to adore in our prayers, we're now considering what we ought to appreciate in our prayers. And the answer is Christ and all that we have in Him. We've seen so far that we ought to thank God for the gifts in Christ of spiritual victory, of grace, faith, hope, life, and growth, And tonight we're going to see that we ought to thank God for the gift of gospel ministry. We ought to thank God for the gift of ministry. This comes from 1 Timothy 1, verses 12-14, through where Paul writes these words, I thank Him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He judged me faithful appointing me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. But I received mercy, because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This is Paul offering up to God a prayer of appreciation for the gift of ministry. But before we go any further, let's just ask the Lord to bless the teaching and receiving of his word tonight. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much that we get to come tonight together as your people to open up your word, to have it read, to have it taught, to have it understood by your spirit. Father, I do pray that your spirit would be at work during this time. I pray, Father, that you would help me to be clear and correct in what I say, and I pray that you would be with all of us as we hear your word, that we would receive it by faith into our hearts, that we would be changed from the inside out as we receive with meekness your implanted word, which is able to save our souls. Father, I thank you so much that you are a God who speaks, so speak to us tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as I stated, this is a prayer of appreciation to God in Christ for the gift of ministry. 
That's what Paul says. He says, I thank him because he has judged me faithful to what degree appointing me to his service. That is the essence of his prayer. It is a prayer of appreciation that he finds himself appointed into the service of Christ Jesus. And I think it is important to point out even before we dive in that this is an important prayer to consider. An important heart attitude to have as believers. Because if we're to be honest, sometimes the demands of ministry or the call in Scripture to not live for ourselves but to live for Him who died and rose again can often be taken by us and be viewed in a way that is less than thankful, right? We can sometimes view the demands of ministry in a less than thankful way, correct? Yes, let's all be honest, right? So for example, you could have a pastor that gets up on a Sunday morning and devotes an entire service to how we in Christ ought to reflect our appreciation to God through service. And some Christians might sit in that service and think, I do not want to hear this, right? Another thing I've got to do. No, thank you, right? And we can view opportunities for ministry and interruptions of opportunities for ministries in less than thankful ways. And indeed, if our mindset gets askew, we can even start to view ministry as a burden and as an obligation, not as a privilege or as a joy. In other words, we can start thinking of our ministries as something we have to do rather than as something we get to do. And there's a big difference, and the difference is the heart. Well, here we see that Paul has a heart of appreciation towards ministry. Paul, who endured ministry pressures that are far beyond any of us who are sitting here tonight, have ever faced, he was still able to put his head on the pillow at night, if he had a pillow, and say, thank God for appointing me to his service. Thank you. So how is Paul able to do that? How is he able to faithfully hold ministry in an appreciative way? There are three ways that we'll see in this passage tonight. What we'll see is that Paul was continually appreciative of his call to Christian ministry. Because he kept ministry glorious, he kept ministry personal, and he kept ministry humbly through the gospel. So for Paul, ministry was kept glorious, personal, and humbly through the gospel. That's how he remained rightly thankful for opportunities to serve Christ and the church. And so if we are to seek, if we seek to view Christian service and ministry rightly with appreciation, then that means that we must first keep ministry glorious through the gospel. In other words, it is so easy to look at ministry through worldly eyes, right? The things that we can see, the things that we can touch, the things that we can taste, if you're at a potluck or pot providence or whatever you call, right? We can look at ministry solely through earthly means. And and that is when it can become discouraging. And what we need to do is continue to look at gospel ministry through eyes of faith, through the gospel. Paul's prayer of thanksgiving here in verse 12 springs out of something. It doesn't arise out of nowhere, right? It actually springs out of his explanation of the law and the gospel contained in verses 8 through 11. There Paul states this, 
Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully, understanding this, that the law was not laid down for the just, that is for believers, but for who? The law was laid down for the lawless and disobedient, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound or healthy doctrine, in accordance with the gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. See, Paul was able to stay appreciative of his ministry because of the glory of God that was revealed in the gospel that he got to administer. That is why he remained appreciative. See, Paul didn't have a ministry like Moses, a ministry of just laying down the law, rules and regulations, and a standard of righteousness upon the backs of sinners so that they might be condemned. No, Paul had a ministry of lifting high the cross, the one person who actually lived under the law in perfect righteousness. And he had that ministry to raise up the cross so that sinners might not be condemned, but rather saved through Christ. And whereas the law merely shows you, even as Moses saw, the back of God's glory, the gospel shows you the very glory of God himself in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul remained thankful for the ministry because he kept the ministry glorious through the gospel. He remembered what he was administering. As Paul says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 7-12, through 12, he says, Now, if the ministry of death, carved in letters of stone, came with such glory that the Israelites could not gaze at Moses' face because of its glory, which was being brought to an end, will not the ministry of the Spirit have even more glory? For if there was glory in the ministry of condemnation, the ministry of righteousness must far exceed it in glory. Indeed, in this case, what once had glory has come to have no glory at all because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was being, what was brought to an end came with glory, much more will what is permanent have glory. And then he says this in verse 12, since we have such a hope, right? Since we have been entrusted with such a ministry of the gospel of such life, righteousness, permanence, and glory, he says, we are very bold. We are very bold. Why? Because he saw the glory of the gospel. Paul remained thankful for his ministry because he kept the ministry glorious through the gospel. Now, if your ministry gets focused on other things, if you make other things the dominating influence of your life and of your ministry, right? Like if it was for me, how wonderful my PowerPoint's going to look like on Sunday, right? If it was going to be Where am I going to get people to volunteer in this position or that position if it's all about scheduling conflicts? Then it doesn't get very glorious, does it? But if we remember what we are administering and what we are striving towards, then we can view our ministry with appreciation. If you're struggling in viewing God's call to minister and to serve and to offer your life up as a living sacrifice to Him, tonight, with appreciation, I want to simply remind you tonight of what we get to administer. We get to administer the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. 
a glory that came down to sinners in their sins and with irresistible power forgives them, saves them, and transforms them from one degree of glory into another, into the very image of God. This is what we're a part of at Grace Chapel. We get to administer that gospel. So to stay thankful in your service, you must keep, you must keep ministry glorious through the gospel. Second, we must keep ministry personal through the gospel. We must keep ministry personal through the gospel. This is from verse 12 into beginning of verse 13. See, for Paul, Christian ministry, that is serving Christ, serving the gospel, serving the church, was not something theoretical that Paul could view in some aloof or scholarly manner, right? I get emails like that in my inbox, right, from people that aren't involved in ministry, and yet they've got all these opinions of how you ought to do that from scholarly perspectives. They go right in the trash, right? Because here, Paul was was sharing his perspective, not in an aloof or scholarly manner, but in a very personal manner, as someone who had been affected by the gospel and was entrusted with it. For Paul, ministry was personal because it was by this ministry of the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ that he himself had been saved See, I'm sure that Paul, as he was writing down that list that I read in verses 8 through 10, I'm sure as Paul was writing down that list of people that stood condemned under the law, the disobedient, ungodly, unholy sinners and murderers, that Paul saw himself in that moment. As he says later in verse 13, you know he was thinking about himself because he says, formerly I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, an insolent opponent. And yet what made all the difference in Paul's life, it was, that the gos- it was that gospel of the glory of the blessed God with which, who? I have been entrusted. See, what kept Paul viewing ministry as a privilege rather than a responsibility? The answer is he kept it personal. The gospel was not just a subject matter to talk about. It was the good news that had changed his life. The gospel had transformed him. And now he gets to be entrusted with it. And Paul makes that personal connection to ministry here in verses 12 through 13 when he says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me, notice, not for honor, who appointed me, notice, not for leadership, who appointed me to his service, though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent. Can you just catch a sense of Paul's awe as he's writing that? He says, I mean, he's almost saying what sometimes I think to myself when I get up to stand behind that pulpit. I shouldn't even be here, right? He says, I was a blasphemer. I mean, think about it. Paul was the one who claimed to be serving God and yet was killing God's sons and daughters in Christ. He says, I was a persecutor. Paul said in Acts 26, 11, before King Agrippa, and I punished them often in all the synagogues, and I tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury against them, I persecuted them even to foreign cities. It was the all-consuming purpose of his existence. Paul was the person that we see in the nightly news that tries to make Christians deny their faith today. Acts 22, 4, he says this, I persecuted this way even to the death binding and delivering to prison both men and women. So he says, I was a blasphemer, I was a persecutor, and then finally he says, I was an insolent opponent. 
It was interesting, I looked up that word insolent. Insolent communicates the idea of someone who's capable of inflicting the most insulting actions and words upon those with whom they disagree. In other words, Paul's Twitter feed would have been fire. He would have lit people up in his Facebook comments, right? He would have, put it this way, he would have had a primetime cable TV network position, right? That would have been Paul. Insolent opponent. That was who Paul was. He was a blasphemer, he was a persecutor, he was an insolent opponent. And imagine that on a resume. <laughs> and yet Paul says, though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent, what happened? God has given me strength. He judged me faithful. He appointed me for his service. He's completely transformed my life. That's how Paul stayed appreciative of his ministry. He remembered where he should have been. I should have been one of those people listed under the law. should have been one of those people that are condemned as a sinner unclean. I should have been one of those people that's chasing after the shameful things that lead to death. Here I am. He kept ministry personal. If you're struggling with viewing Christian ministry as a privilege rather than a responsibility, make it personal. Make it personal. Think about where you once were. Think about where you are. Think about where you would be apart from the grace that's yours in Christ. Therefore, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to Him. That's how Paul stayed appreciative. Right, when we view gospel ministry personally, we'll cry out with Paul in 1 Corinthians 9.16, necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. To keep ministry, we must keep, to stay appreciative in ministry, we must keep ministry glorious through the gospel. We must keep ministry personal through the gospel. And then finally, we must keep ministry humbly through the gospel. That's at the end part of verse 13 into verse 14. Again, I just want you to imagine, can you imagine... Uh, if I'd have come in as a pastoral candidate here, those of you who are on the pulpit search committee, you know, pastoral search committee asked me, so um, what's your qualifications for this position? You know, what do most people know you as? What would your response have been if I'd have said, most people know me as a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent? What's the basis of you being in this position? Paul's answer was what? None whatsoever. Nothing in myself. Why are we gifted any positions of service in our life as Christians? Is it because of anything in ourselves? No. This is what Paul says. Though I was formerly a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, he says, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. That doesn't mean he was not guilty. He was guilty. He was culpable. But he was also redeemable. I acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. What was the basis of Paul being in that position of ministry? How could he stay appreciative? It's because he held on to ministry humbly. 
Because he knew that the basis of him being in that position had nothing to do with his personal qualifications. It had nothing to do with his personality. It had nothing to do with his gifts. It had nothing to do with his achievements or study or anything else like that. He was in that position of, of service to Christ because of the mercy and grace of God. Mercy is God not giving to a person what they do deserve. And he's already stated that, hasn't he? I should be under the law condemned. I'm not. I've received mercy. And grace is God giving to a person what they don't deserve. None of us deserve to be sons and daughters of God, brothers of Christ, and servants of the Lord Jesus. None of us do. God has given us grace. God could declare the gospel with the tongues of angels. He chooses to use us. That is grace. God giving a person what they don't deserve. And Paul says that these things, he says, overflowed for me. <laughs> that is awesome. That, that means unquenchable. I mean, God, God poured so much grace and mercy into me. Imagine that. Though we are a bottomless pit, unqualified and undeserving, God in his infinite grace and mercy has filled our utter emptiness to overflowing in Christ Jesus. God has judged us faithful to such a degree as he did with Paul that God can take a man who would hold the coats at a martyr's stoning to become, as Jesus said, the chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles. Just think of that. God looked at Paul and he said, I'm going to take you and all your smallness and all your weakness with your thorn in the flesh I'm going to use all of that for my glory as you serve me. It was a gift. No basis for it except the amazing grace of God. And so to stay appreciative of the ministry that God gives us, we must keep ministry glorious, personal, and humble through the Gospel. What a privilege it is for us who, as Romans 6 says, used to be slaves of sin leading to death, have now become servants of righteousness leading to eternal life. That is a privilege that we get to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ and serve those, the bride of the Lamb, whom Christ has purchased with His own blood. Brothers and sisters, ministry is not something you ought to do. It is something you get to do because of the mercy and grace that God has given you. Paul recognized that, and that's why he said, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Ministry is a gift, and so let's join Paul in in that prayer tonight by asking and thanking God for the gift of ministry as a church.